Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. B Mac and Baker, this is Believe in Vikings. We are four days away from regular season Vikings football, so we are chatting about week one tonight. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Minnesota Vikings on Sunday at noon, U.S. Bank Stadium. I've got Brian McKinney with me, Ron Saw, and Sal Spice. Now, so we're going to chat. We're going to talk about uh, some storylines that the group is looking forward to, perhaps some week one memories from Ryan McKinney. And then I'll get the record, win loss record prediction from the panel to close out the show. First, though, Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for your baseball, boxing, golf. And the NFL, all of those needs. Bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAV, believe BLEAV, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Week one is just a few days away at U.S. Bank Stadium. The Vikings will host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Vikings are favored by six, which is one of the largest uh, point spreads in the NFL this week. I think it's the third or fourth highest. Um, but we, we're going to start chatting about that. Uh, we've come all this way. Um, we are our last taste of Vikings football was a very bitter defeat at home to the New York Giants. And now we're back to try to get start getting some vengeance on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I'm going to go around the horn and ask some of uh, these guys and gals what they're thinking of. But Bryant, first want to ask you, do you have any any week one stuff that pops to the forefront of your brain? Any memories to share with the group? Um, Not really. I just feel like this is like probably like the. Most of the guys will be nervous because it's like the first game, the full game, and you really get to see how, you know, these, uh, you know, transition from um, preseason and, you know, training camp to like the national full game. Does How long does it take if you didn't play much in the preseason? These Vikings did not, and I know that you guys didn't typically – and when you were with the Vikings, does it does it take a few quarters or snaps or how long does it take to be like, all right, whoa, this is real. This is we're back. No, right away, mentally, you know, it's mm-hmm. just physically now playing a full entire game because you haven't done so. Um, just getting the, getting that feel and getting that under your belt. OK, I got you. All right, Sally. So the Buccaneers, they are coming to uh, Minneapolis. And the last time the Vikings played them, Brady was on the team and the Vikings lost. A game, I believe it was in the 2020 season. Um, yeah. So this is the first game for the Bucks since 2019 with no Brady, and they're going with Baker Mayfield. Um, so I want to start with you. What is one storyline or item that you're watching with particular fascination against these Bucks? Well, I think we're all going to have a similar answer that it's definitely the defense. I still remember pretty vividly the last time Baker Mayfield was at U.S. Bank Stadium. Mm -hmm. Um, What was that? 2021. And he played awful, terrible, (laughs) uh, but not because of the defense, not because of the Vikings defense, just because he had no accuracy. Um, He ran all over the field like because they couldn't actually sack him or put pressure on him, but he couldn't complete a pass. So I'm hoping that we see that version of Baker Mayfield again at U.S. Bank Stadium with the noise and everything, except that maybe he actually gets hit and knocked down a couple times and maybe a couple picks or something. 
Yeah, I remember that game. Would be too. nice. I remember that game as well against the uh, the Browns, and it was one of those ones that was just there for the taking, and they just <laughs> over and over and over <laughs> and over, and nothing happened. Nope, it was it was not fun. All right, so the defense and hoping that Baker Mayfield is his ordinary self. There was a time not long ago, three seasons ago, where we were talking about when he was going to get his gigantic contract. And then, like, poof, it was gone. And he's been a journeyman, a, a young journeyman ever since. Ron, well, and, and a six-point mm-hmm. six point, point spread scares me with the Vikings any time, pretty much. Because any of these games that they're supposed to definitely win, right, it seems like they always struggle with historically. But for some reason, I just don't really have that that feeling going into this. I don't think it's a trap game. They should handle it well and and get the season off to a good start. Yeah, I think we know it. Uh, unless something goes real poor, that the t- the team is at least <laughs> decent. Um, you can't really go thirteen on four, thirteen four on utter accident. You can you can luck into a a win against the Bills, I guess, with some fluky turnovers. But they showed last year they're a pretty good football team. It's just that the uh, the defense curiously endorsed that bend but don't break stuff that was maddening. But now they have a new defensive coordinator. So, uh, Ron, whether it is pounding home the defense once again or something else, what is something that you are monitoring for the Vikings on Sunday? Um, This week specifically, um, it's just the trenches um, on offense. Um, Vita Vea is no joke, and uh, and Shaq Barrett Barrett, um, is a monster off the edge. So I do trust our tackles. Um, You know, obviously, Darison O'Neal, probably one of the best tackle combination in the league. Uh, But... Vita Vea scares me against our guards uh, because he's a massive human being who can move and uh, not just disrupt the run, but he can disrupt the pass as well if he gets that push. So um, I'm worried about that, but, um, you know, we'll see how um, how they hold up. I do think schematically we have enough skill set on offense to overcome the if we get beat up front, um, but um, Kirk will take some hits um, undoubtedly. And then on the other side of the ball, it's kind of the same thing. It's uh, our battle in the trenches. Um, I want to see how Tristan Wirfs holds up on the left side because, you know, he's come up as a right tackle. Now he's moving to the left. And O'Brien, your favorite topic of moving, moving guys from one side to the next, mm-hmm. but he's one of the best tackles in the league. And is that, is it going to be a learning curve for him there? Um, also, I think they're without their center. Jensen's out again. So um, really to me, the game is going to be won in the trenches on both sides. Whoever um, doesn't need to, be one man handling the other, but whoever can show the most resistance when needed, I think will uh, will come out ahead. So you do you think this is going to be unusually tight, Ron? Based on that synopsis, I don't particularly because okay. Baker Mayfield is prone to a lot more mistakes than Kirk is, and Kirk historically has been good week one um, of, of you know just throughout his career um, coming out. So um, I don't. I'm not saying Baker is the absolute trash. Like he obviously has talent. He's the number one overall pick for a reason, Heisman winner. Um, but he obviously, he has that when things start to go bad, things can go real bad with him. And it'll be interesting to see how he's able to hold up again with their new, new shape in offensive line with worse on the left. And then, uh, um, you know, no center um, as well. Um, they do have weapons as well, but um, if we're able to contain Rashad White in the running game, uh, I 
obviously I see us having um, a significant advantage um, at the quarterback spot, as well as, um, you know, just kind of the rest of, if you're comparing offenses to offenses. So um, defense, again, I don't see them being in this bend and don't break mold because if it's a third and six that we're going to, we're going to bring pressure and whether or not it gets there, that's another story, (laughs) but um, we're not just going to sit back and and take it. It's uh, I see them playing on the attack mode. And I think that will cause Baker um, at least a couple opportunities for um, to capitalize on some turnovers. Last year, the Bucks finished eight and nine and won the NFC South. You can believe that every Bucks game followed a similar formula blueprint. They played like shit for the first three quarters and Tom Brady included. And then the old Brady would show up for the fourth quarter. I have no idea why they did that game after game. Um, so they're this eight and nine club who doesn't have breed anymore. They still have defensive names, talent all over the place from, uh, I always thought it was Vitavea, but if it's Vitavea, uh, uh, Shaq Barrett, Antoine Winfield, Jamel Dean, um, Devin White, Levante David, uh, they still have all of these dudes that you're like, God, this defense is pretty damn good. Um, this offseason, though, they did lose Tom Brady, Mike Edwards, a safety, Leonard Fournette. Akeem Hicks, Julio Jones, Shaq Mason, a guard, Sean Murphy Bunting, a cornerback, Carl Nassib, who I believe retired today, and Donovan Smith, a tackle. So they did have, and the Vikings had a similar list in terms of quantity for for folks that left the roster. But yeah, we're facing a team that went eight and nine last year and flunked out of the playoffs pretty unceremoniously. Brian, what's your overall temperature on Baker Mayfield? Um, Do you think that he just needs another shot or you think he's completely average or what do you think? Um, I always looked at him as kind of average. I think it was like a lot of hype around him coming out of college, but I never looked at him as somebody who can stay focused long enough to be great. Um, but I have a question. Somebody retired today? Uh, Carl Nassib. The defensive end. Um, yeah. Yeah, why did he I mean, he, I think he was just a free agent and then just decided to hang it up. I don't think he's crazy old. He was the first guy, first uh, guy to come out, active player to come out. Um, let's see how old he was. Or he is, excuse me. 30. He's only 30. So I guess um, free agency wasn't too kind to him. And so he just said sayonara. Oh, okay. Yep. All right, Sally. In addition to the defense, what's another thing you got your eyes on for this game specifically? Well, I think also um, I'm I would be surprised if they don't come out and score right away. That's what we have become accustomed to with uh, with this Vikings team. I would love to see them, though, be consistent throughout and build off of that momentum that they get um, starting out. So I would like to see the uh, lull that goes in the second and third quarter become a distant memory. And let's forget about that this season. Yeah, there were a couple notable times last year. The Dolphins game stands out. Ron and I were there with Bryant. Uh, or the first half, the offense just couldn't do anything. And they'd go through these ruts at times, which is understandable, um, you know, in a first-year head coach. But it, hopefully they turn the corner um, because if we're all worried about the defense, you probably can't go through too many offensive um, stagnant periods because they certainly existed last year. And now, yeah, to Bryant, uh, from your perspective, from that, obviously, most NFL offenses run scripted plays, you know, whether that's one drive, two drive, whatever that is. How close to the script? 15, there's normally like a 12 to 15 plays that 
they give you like the night before to go over. I guess you're going to take mental reps or whatever. So you there's like a, I think 12, 15, 12 or 15. So there's like a 12 or 15 is already scripted. Okay. And then how dependent is each play after that, um, dependent on success of the prior play? Like say the first play is a slant and it gets blown up and there's a sack. Now, instead of running a second and three, you're now running a, first, or a second and 14. Or is it kind of like a choose your adventure type game where, okay, if this happens, then we do this. If it goes south, is it scripted both sides of it or is it like just kind no, of? No, there's, there's, there's like a list of plays that they plan on running. Um and I, it's, I feel like if something happens to a play, it's like they, they scrap that play. You won't really run it too much anymore. Um, and, unless you come on the sideline and there's an adjustment made, and then they'll say, okay, we'll try this again later on or something like that. But just depending on what takes place, the um, disrupts the play. But other than that, if, if everything works, especially in the first um, 12 players or so, you'll see a lot of those plays again. And then why is it that, say, coming out of the second half, like there isn't another set of scripted plays because usually like you see one coach, like first drive is great. Then they come out in the second half and it's like, what happened I don't here? Think, um, I don't think they have enough time to draw up, you know, 13 more plays or, or put together 13 more plays and then hand them out. Like this is given out the night before on a piece of paper. So, you know, I don't, it's not enough time to do that. Okay. I forgot to share my first item that I'm, I'll be watching for, with my uh, wife and son in attendance on Sunday, and that is how quickly Jordan Addison is used in the offense. Um, because we have we have a couple different models for this. Laquan Treadwell never got off the ground. Um, Justin Jefferson only had two catches his first game against the Packers, and then Randy Moss went hog wild in 1998. So I guess we have the whole board covered. Um, but because we still have some of that, and I, I still do treadwell paranoia that you know we, we talk about a guy all summer and then show up and you just wait and wait and wait and nothing ever happens i want to see if addison gets off the schneid right away because i truly think not he alone but the vikings season will be determined how good he is right away uh i think all of us are of the opinion on the show that when the, when the draft got to the 23rd pick on paper they probably should have picked a defensive player um but you know we don't do that uh, so they got Addison, and now he needs to contribute. Um, I don't have any reservations about K.J. Osborne being a WR2. Well, the goal here is to get filthy rich on offense. So I want to know, and I will see, if Addison, if he's you know on the field in the first drive, first couple of drives, and then the ball's thrown in his direction, does he make those fancy tippy-toe tech- catches like he did against the, the Seahawks? So Addison, I have circled to see if he makes a thumbprint on the offense right away. Ron, your next one. What do you got? Well, for me, it's um, Alexander Madison and his ability to be an RB1 in a full-time mode. Um, Obviously, we are a passing offense primarily, um, but um, O'Connell has always said that he wants to be able to run to set up the pass. And it's not like in years past where they're – you know, Zimmer was very much, we're running it, we're running it, we're running it, we're going to establish it. I can see them going away from it if it's not working, but I want to see what Madison does with a consistent, you know, 12 to 18 carries a game. Um, I, we all know he doesn't have the explosiveness that Dalvin has, but he's been good in spurts, and I'm hoping it's not like how Tavares Jackson was always good when he came in off the bench, but then when he was actually the starter, struggled a little bit. I'm hoping that's he's able to build on the success he's had as a game by game starter into a now, you know, full year starter. And on this topic, my final one is probably 
the utilization of all these safeties. Um, I said last week that it's really weird for a team to keep six safeties, and I don't oppose it. Um, I just want to see you know who gets snaps when. Um, we're pretty certain that Cameron Bynum and Harrison Smith will be technically the starters, uh, but we know that they love Josh Metellus. We hope that Lewis Seen is ready for the the bright lights. And then, by the way, they have uh, Theo Jackson and the rookie Jay Ward. So I want to see if these safeties, A, if all of them get action, or Theo Jackson is really just a special teams guy. And then if if some of these cornerbacks, which has been teased a little bit, if they do play some cornerback, whether that is Bynum, who played it in college, or Jay Ward, who I think there was a lot of, right after he was drafted, folks were like, well, he's a corner. He can play cornerback, too. So I think we'll start to see in living color if, if these are, are versatile guys, because Kwesi Adafa has kind of made a habit in his first two years of drafting players with that versatility. And we'll see it with Brian Flores' tutelage on Sunday. Another thing I want to ask the group um, this week, or was it last weekend, uh, Star Tribune wrote an article about Kirk Cousins and how this is his contract year. And usually when I, when I start reading one of these, I'm like, oh, here it comes. It's not going to happen. But then I took a step back and it's the talk of him potentially staying around next year on a team friendly contract. Now he's never done that before. Um, but the th- only thing that made me start, and this is why I want to ask your guys opinion, Sally, I'll start with you is he knows he's going into this contract year by the time next year at this time, he'll be 36. And if he's given an ultimatum by the Vikings that says 35 million, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty much average quarterback money. Um, take it or leave it. Would he really want to pack up and start over if he really loves the franchise? He's in a perfect situation with Jefferson, and hopefully Addison is, you know, a blossoming star by then. Normally, when I hear this Kirk on a team friendly, I'm like, God, you guys are dumb. But I, I, I took a second to think about this one because I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe he would actually do this. Is that poppycock, Sally? Okay, I haven't heard about this article, but. I'm very upset with whoever wrote it. Okay. We cannot be having this conversation every single week forever. (laughs) We've been talking about this for years. What's going to happen with Kirk next year? What's going to happen with Kirk next year? And we haven't even played one game. Why are, why is everyone so worried about it? I mean, based on the information we have right now, I'm going to say, heck no, he's Mm -hmm. not going to do that. No. Uh, based on what? How many years of evidence do we have right now that he's not into a team friendly anything? So that would be my answer. I just wish that we could see how the season goes before we get into these debates and articles and everything else. And I'm very surprised that the Star Tribune of all places did this. As, I mean, it, there's a lot of things to write about right now. Yeah, it was. So, Jim, it was Jim Sudan. Mm hmm. Okay, I mean, I, I get it. It's just we. This is this is what I said last year when they or at, after the draft. The reason I was the most upset that they didn't draft a quarterback. No, no, you know, offense to BYU guy, mm-hmm. but was that we were going to continue to have this conversation? All right, and we're already having it <laughs> at my own risk here, Ron. I'll ask. For but your- I would say no. I don't think so. No, yeah, and that's what I usually say, but. Uh, and then the reason that it's a talker is because rarely do quarterbacks who throw 30 touchdowns per year hit their contract year. 
And so I think Hawkinson was just extended and Jefferson should be any day. I think the idea behind the article was, well, what about Kirk? And for those who are just coming back to the party, they don't know if Kirk was extended or not. And that's the only thing I can think of. Um, but Ron, yeah, you know me. Usually I, I'm like, yeah, Kirk's not doing that. So let's shut up about it. Well, but there is a part of me that thinks, first of all, 35 million isn't just an insult. Um, you know, it's it's still <laughs> you can live on it. Um, do you think there's any way that at age 36 before packing up and moving on to New England or San Francisco or something like that, he'd be like, you know what? This is what Brady did. He seems to respect Brady a lot. He's going to take what would be considered an average deal. Any any smoke to that or no? I mean, I, I, again, I don't know if there's any smoke or not. And, I, you know, I kind of agree with Sally. Like, we, we, there's no need to have all these debates week in week out because he'll play great one week well he's worth more he'll play bad the next well see this is why you move on it's going to go on all year long but um i i think he would um come back at uh, at a fair market value um now again what that number is i don't know but you know being the 12th or so highest paid quarterback that he is right now um it's very fair but also that fair market may not exist a year from now because of just the perception, just the the salary cap, the guys that we have to sign. <clears throat> but I, I think that if there is an offer out there, you know, even if it's like a, you know, four year, hundred million, something like that, three ninety, I think he would one hundred percent stick around. He talks if he is if it's shown that he's that the coaching staff wants him here and wants him to be here until they find their next guy. I mean, he's also he's thirty five. He'll be thirty six next year, so I'm sure he very well sees the the writing on the wall that not many people can play like Tom Brady in, into 45. And, you know, you look at this last wave of the Phillip Rivers, the Matt Ryan, and, you know, even Aaron Rodgers to an extent, you know, the late thirties is about that time in today's day and age where you got to move on. So um, I'm firmly on the side of, you know, bring him back for a couple of years and then hope to find a guy in the process rather than, being absolutely screwed and with Jaron Hall and, you know, hope to get, you know, the fifth best quarterback in the draft or something. But, uh, um, no, I, for, I truly believe that he would take a quote unquote discount to stay. Um, again, he's, he's made plenty of money. Um, he's, you know, he just, he, I think he truly wants to win. He, like, if you watch the quarterback show, he, uh, he clearly, there's a lot of winning that he, expects not just that he wants but he has that seems like he has that mindset at this time next year or even beforehand so next march when we hit free agency um the new middle of the road salary is going to be your guy i say it facetiously daniel jones uh because <laughs> he makes 40 million and i think the world will find out this year that he's pretty good but he's not great and that's pretty much what we say about kirk on a daily basis um so i think that this will, whether it's Derek Carr or, or Matthew Sever, all those guys who kind of live in that anywhere from 11th to 16th best, I think 40 million per year, uh, for better or worse, will become just the rate uh, to go get a quarterback because Kirk is at 35 right now. He ranks 15th per average annual value after Joe Burrow's deal, which should be done any day. So 14th right now, and then Kirk will be 15th. Uh, Bryant, when you start to know that your career is in its maybe final one, two, or three years, do you look yeah. at money and contracts differently or not really? Yeah. Um, I feel like you've been there long enough that you should have acquired enough money. So now you start looking at opportunities to win if you haven't. All right. All right, let's uh, so, so tomorrow night, Sally, it is the the Chiefs and the Lions. 
And the Chiefs probably won't have Travis Kelsey and probably won't have Chris Jones. They're favored by six and a half still, I believe. Are you, Sally, buying the the hype train on the Lions? Do you think that they're that good? I'm not not that they'll beat the Chiefs. Maybe they will. Um, But are you worried about them? Did you ever think you would see a day when the Lions (laughs) were on a primetime game to start the NFL season? Nope. Mm -mm. They have went years and years not having a primetime game, period, (laughs) other than Thanksgiving, which, you know, they've played. Which is the 11 o'clock game. (laughs) Yes, the 11 o'clock game. But that's how when Thursday nights became a requirement, they got out of that because they had the Thanksgiving 11 o'clock. So it seems like nationally people are buying into it because this is quite the jump. Um, I, I do think that they're going to be much improved and I do think they'll give the Vikings a run for their money for the division. I don't, I don't, I know I see a lot of people in our fan base tweeting, Oh, it's same old lions. It's going to be the same old thing. And it's the lions. How can you take them seriously? Well, by that logic, it's going to be same old Vikings, right? It's going to be same old. Can't, get to a Super Bowl, can't win an NFC championship. Like these things are going to change eventually sometime. And this is probably the closest that uh, Detroit has been to changing that narrative going into this season. So I do think that they're, they're going to be much better. I hope not to see them having those collapses and those mistakes um, that Dan Campbell, those bad coaching decisions that he made last season, but it's still Dan Campbell. So yeah, hopefully defer those decisions to other people. <laughs> Ron, the uh, Lions had a very impressive finish to the season, whether it's the very last game against the Packers or the final seven or eight weeks. And then their draft, if you just kind of reverse the order of some of the picks, looked like a pretty decent draft on paper. And then this will be, what, year three, three or four of, of Dan Campbell. Uh, Jared Goff is everybody's favorite reclamation quarterback. What do you think? I know uh, I'm going to get to Bryant here, and usually he's he's pretty hard on the Lions, so I want to get Ron first. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I can't say that I'm very much easier on the Lions because you know my yearly yearly reminder of Tampa Bay's won this division more recently than them, and they haven't been in it for about 24 years. So, um, like the the Lions, like that Sally made a great point. The Lions will always Lions, just like the Vikings will always Vikings. The Vikings will find a way to screw themselves in it, but the Lions will. The hype will just never amount to something. Is kind of what it seems. Now, I do think the Lions are a good football team, and obviously their schedule is going to help them uh, because playing the third place. No, but were they the second place or third place? Schedule? Yeah, well, either way. Yeah, go ahead. Either way, yeah, easier schedule than the Vikings to, on paper. Um, but I still look at their defense particularly. Um, their defense was slightly better than ours last year, but they didn't make a ton of improvements. Um, while I was a big Jack Campbell fan coming out of college, just I think he's a um, do-it-all linebacker who's going to fit in nicely. Um, they're still weak up front in the middle. Um, again, yet to be seen at who steps up someone will unlike or in all likelihood step up um they added um um chauncey gardner johnson on the back end that's going to help as well but they traded away okuda who started for him last year and i know he wasn't the hype that he was coming out of ohio state but he, he played well for them last year so um i still don't see their defense taking the steps ahead to to 
make that push to be, you know, a 12, 13 win team. I know Vegas had him as like the eighth favorite to win the Super Bowl. That to me is asinine because we're talking, we're still talking about the Lions here. Um, but, uh, you know, good for them and their fan base. They, I think they had their first time all their season tickets are sold out. So I'm happy for that. I don't hate on the Lions because of they're not the Packers or Bears even for that matter. But um, the, the, for me, it will always come down to, I don't see their offense being better than our offense. And if they would have gotten Aaron Rodgers instead of Goff, maybe then, you know, that's a little different, but it's still Jared Goff. It's, he is again, in my opinion, a tier below what Kirk brings. And then the first six weeks they're without Jameson Williams. So, you know, Marvin Jones has been a quality, very good receiver in this league, but he's what, 34 years old. Can he be the number two enough to take pressure off of, uh, um, off of St. Brown? And then, tight end position Laporta you know first first week you know first few weeks tight ends typically don't do well rookie year like there hasn't been many um that have so they have a great offensive line adding Jameer Gibbs and Montgomery into that running game is going to be nice but uh I still I don't think that this is the year for them to to take the division um again I could be wrong with that but um again if they do it's because the Vikings didn't make enough improvements um, themselves but uh yeah the lions will always lines in my mind bryant let's say you on the lions this is, this is a mo- more hype than most of us have seen in our adult life about them um it is but i feel like they gave us a run last year too so i think they're looking to improve um i don't think that i think they're going to be a better team this year um so i do think it's a team that we probably should start keeping our eye on are they going to be at the top? Not yet, but I feel like it's still going to be some improvement and probably start giving them a little respect compared to what we've been giving them over the years. It will always bother me that the year Aaron Rodgers finally left, everybody picked the Lions to be the next big thing. It's, it wasn't supposed to happen. You know, it's bullshit. It's like, really? We waited this long for Favre and Rodgers to be gone and the Lions are being promoted? Um, all right, the last thing, the red meat to the show. Sally, I want a score prediction for Buccaneers-Vikings and then a win-loss prediction. Go. Oh, man. I didn't have a score prediction ready to go. <laughs> but I think that this is going to not be that close for once. Um, so I'm going to say I'll go 31 to 17. Okay, I like it. Yeah, I'm feeling very confident. So that's that's always good news. Yeah, and then as far as the season goes, I think I'm going to I'm it's changed a little bit from when the schedule was initially released and I'm going to say 10 and 7. That's a pretty popular pick. Um I've asked I've asked some of the It folks. is, but not for me. No, no, no. <laughs> Usually we're doing it, it. Not for me. I I have never given a t- a two digit prediction <laughs> win prediction. Yeah, well, we usually throw throw it back to the sixteen game era. Sally was usually seven and nine, and it's like, oh, yay. <laughs> um, mine is I have the Vikings winning a game by seventeen or more points for the first time in four years. <clears throat> the last time they did it was against the Chargers at the StubHub Center or Field, whatever that was called. So I think the Vikings win oh, thirty yeah. to ten. 
And I believe they will go 11 and six. I thought 10 and seven most of the summer, but then I saw just enough of Jordan Addison to be convinced. All right. I see the vision that they're going to get really, really good on offense. And that's how they're going to do this thing. And plus the division, unless you really buy into those lions isn't dead late. So I like 11 and six for win loss record and a, 20, a 30 to 10 victory, a 20 point triumph in week one uh, hopefully those aren't too homer or optimistic for for the viewers and listeners ron what say you a score prediction win-loss prediction i have a score of 27 13 so you know pretty close i do think it will be um you know i think they will cover um for those betting on it i do think the vikings <laughs> cover at home um but uh, as far as the season dustin i'm right with the 11 wins i have us going into the bye eight and four and then finishing up three and two okay. um again like just there's some winnable games in there um and you know early on we'll see how how they do with you know obviously the chargers chiefs coming into town but uh um there are some other ones that i think they'll take advantage of um i don't see us you know going undefeated in the division or anything but i mean i think we'll take four um i think we'll split with the lions and split with the bears but i think we sweep the packers um I think this is the first time uh, that we will, but uh, that's the the Jordan love in me. But uh, um, yeah, I think they'll be, obviously I think 11 wins is going to be enough to win the division, but you know, they could be 11 and and six and the line or 11 and yeah, 11 and six and the lions could get to 13 um, and we may not even make the playoffs. So we'll see what happens, but I still have us winning the division with 11 wins. I like it. Bryant, what do you got? Game prediction, win-loss prediction. Game prediction, I have Vikings 2017. And then I have wrote down two different – y'all said both of them. (laughs) At first, I initially wrote down 10-7. to And then I changed to 11-6. to So I feel like maybe we could squeak out a win. So that's when I – and so then I changed to 11-6. to But, yeah, I pretty much was in the same ballpark as 10-7. to And then I said, maybe we can get one additional one and end up being 11-6. to one another reason that I talked myself into basically what you did from 10 and 7 to 11 and 6 is if you get down in the dumps when you're looking at the schedule, remember that the Chiefs, Chargers, and 49ers games all happen at US Bank Stadium. And even when the Vikings are meh, like 2020 and 2021, they're usually well, 2020 was a different story. There's no fans, they're usually pretty good at home even when they're not an absolute gangbuster team. So uh, I think that between they probably won't beat the chiefs but when the chargers and 49ers come to the u.s bank stadium it, it, it should be you know that week unless this thing's unless this thing has gone rudderless and there's some shit like one in five uh i don't think we should be like oh we're not gonna beat the chargers oh we're not gonna beat the 49ers if you were going to their houses we know from the last 20 25 years vikings football road games we're like oh god here we go uh, but at home you don't have to feel that way so that's ultimately where i'm at and the weirdest thing is when when you uh, when we talk next wednesday <laughs> we're going to be previewing the game the next night. We have we have starting tomorrow. If you're listening to this show on Thursday, there are two games and the two Vikings games the next seven days, and it's almost incomprehensible because we waited so long to get back. How did we get that week two game the exact same as last year? <laughs> I do not know how. Um, I would I agree with what you said, except for if the 49ers game wasn't a Monday night, I would yeah. be way less concerned about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't get that far into my analysis and thinking about that one. But again, 
I will rest on the laurels that they're at home and yeah, Brock Purdy. Yeah. Sam Darnold. Uh, it's a lot easier to look at that matchup than to say, Oh Jesus, here comes Mahomes." So, all right, well, we got wins across the board. We have, it seems like playoff appearances, hopefully not one and dones across the board. Some generalized optimism, even from the great Sal Spice. So you know it's going to be a good year. Um, all right, guys and gals, we'll talk to you in one week, hopefully about the 1-0 Vikings and a mere 24 hours from Thursday Night Football. All right, you guys have a great have a great See week you guys weekend. Sunday. Yeah, later. Right. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.